0: Welcome to the Shack15 Conversations podcast, where we invite founders, innovators, and changemakers to share ideas with the community, speak to the experience of building their businesses, and unlock some of the hard-earned wisdom collected along the way. In this episode, we'll join our moderator, Lenny Richitsky, the nimble investor, advisor, founder, and currently editor-in-chief of Lenny's Newsletter. A weekly advice column that explores all the nooks and crannies of what it takes to grow great products for the good of the people. Lenny will lead us in conversation with Ulf Schwickendiek, founder and CEO of Centered, the platform which aims to transform the way we work by combining mindfulness techniques with simple task management. Ulf's toolkit is designed to empower the user to access what is known as the flow state sooner and to stay there longer, accomplishing tasks and solving problems literally 20% faster than before. 20% faster is a big claim, but following an engineering career with Apple, Autodesk, Postmates, Descript, Detour, Ditto, and Groupon, it's a number that Ulf stands behind confidently. Let's find out why. Enjoy.
1: Hello, everybody. I'm going to be moderating a, a discussion with my good friend Ulf. I still don't know how to pronounce your last name, can you please? It's all good.
2: It's Ulf Schweikendieck. Super easy, rolls right off the tongue, right?
1: So we're going to be talking today about flow and productivity and touching on The Social Dilemma, a recent movie that many, many of you may have seen. And we're also going to be exploring this very compelling product that Ulf and his team are building, which happens to be, and I have my phone here, it happens to be the most used app on my phone and laptop other than iMessage, and I'm excited to talk through. So let us dive in, and I think let's start with just maybe Ulf giving a little bit of... Background on kind of yourself.
2: <laughs> well, thank you, Lenny. I, I feel like uh, we we had this discussion on Twitter, I think, before that that, that I think a large contribution to your number one iMessage users is actually me. Um, <laughs> so so you know I'll I'll try to be even better about uh, you know getting you to to be centered number one user. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for sticking around with us for so long. You've been one of our very very first users and has been with us in our journey for the last like nine months now. As a background, you guys might hear from my accent and you know, giving it all away. Like uh, I am that German engineer that I grew up in Germany in small town. Really, always loved to build things, like build computers for schools and sold it to them, and loved coding from from a very very young age on, and always wanted to do that and did you know the typical like undergrad over there. The one piece that always stuck with me and that that I think is so important if you if you pursue any academic career is to actually get a lot of experience as quickly as you can. I personally chose the path of getting an academic career but also were working half time my entire like academic career. So I worked in my undergrad for Siemens, worked on like a, a subsidiary for them on like ATM security. There's a longer story around this and why I was super excited about helping people to stop hacking ATMs, but that's for another talk maybe one day. So out of out of Germany, I I felt like I wanted to see the world and I left after my undergrad in computer science and went to Montreal to, to do a little bit more grad school, still in computer science. And during that time, I worked for Ericsson. I worked on a high availability cluster project <laughs> over there. Actually super, super boring. Um, like thinking now about it, it wasn't, it wasn't the most exciting software engineering project that I could work on. And I really found like a passion really quickly on, on the type of tools that I wanted to spend my time on. And that's why I joined Autodesk and worked on two tools over there, um, 3ds Next and my uh, their rendering team over there. And it was an amazing time. But also really learned quickly that, you know, the big corporate structure is maybe not the right step for me. Came up with a, hey, I want to make changes to the product. And they didn't really let me do that as a junior engineer. I'm sure like some of you had the same experience of like being like that young kid in the new big corporate environment. And you're like, I wanna change everything. And somehow you get shut down very quickly. I was also super naive during that time. And the way I got shut down, is like, well, you're, you're an engineer, you're not a product UX person. So that's why you're shut down. It has nothing to do personally with you. It's just, you don't have the right background for it. I'm like, cool. I'm gonna go become like a UX person and left the company and went back to school, went to NYU to get a digital media UX degree and uh, and really learned during that time about this completely new world, thankfully to NYU and them having an entrepreneurial aspect in every single one of their classes. It's kind of odd that you have to do in a media studies class, a pitch on like a game startup that you wanted to do, but it was super exciting to like be exposed to that world for the very first time. And I like learned that there's this world where one day you're a product manager, the next day you're an engineer, the next day you're a little bit of a designer, and the last day you're gonna clean up your office space and like wipe the toilets. And And that sounded like a much, much more compelling place for me personally than being like a small cock in a really big system. I think uh, Lenny, you have a, a very similar experience there, right?
1: Yeah, Um, I stayed at Airbnb for seven years (laughs) than I ever would have imagined.
2: So with that, I was set. I wanted to join a startup and learn from the entrepreneurs at those startups. I found this random startup that just like launched on TechCrunch. I think it was super, super interesting. I sent them an email saying, hey, I love what you do. Your app doesn't work that well. And these are the things that I would do differently about it. And uh And I'm looking for a job. I just learned how to write iOS apps. I had this game with a couple hundred thousand downloads. So I have some cred of, I could actually do this. What do you think? And you know, the world of startups responded and said, within like a day, I got a response from from one of the founders saying, you're absolutely right, our app needs help. In fact, the first version of our app was built by a contractor and we're not with that contractor anymore. Do you want to help us like get this up to the right standards We're a lot we're a lot of engineers, but mostly focus on backend and ML and uh, and not as much on the front end piece. And uh, and that's how I somehow got into like rebuilding the original Siri app and got it got it to, you know, relaunch on the App Store. It was like, super exciting. I worked on, I worked a bunch on a bunch of features like the reminders feature of it early on. And it was before Siri turned into Apple. And so I had this whole super short compressed experience of like like joining a startup out of a sudden being acquired out of a sudden being in this like big Apple infrastructure and like launching Siri, like helping launching Siri, basically. And, uh, Startups were at that point, amazing, right? It's like you, you're trying to start up a couple of months later, you're acquired by one of the like, biggest companies in, in our field and profit, right? So did I want to stay at Apple at this point? No, I, I, I wanted to do the startup. And that's how I seeked out and met my friend, Yuri Engstrom, also Shaq15 member, who had this really interesting idea. And that's also when Lenny and I met. Um, where uh, Yuri, and, Yuri and I did a, did a startup together that was called Ditto. It was in the hold your breath, social, local, mobile space for the people who remember. Um, Lenny, Lenny you, had a, you had a startup there too, right?
1: Yeah, I did. Uh, we were very lucky to be acquired by Airbnb because it would not have survived. It was not a long lasting, uh, sustainable business model.
2: Do you want to tell us what you were doing?
1: Oh, wow. Sure. Uh, I built an app called uh, LocalMind, that sat on top of Foursquare, if you remember that, when it was very cool, and goala and Facebook and allowed you to talk to people that are checked in anywhere in the world to find out what's happening, where they are. So instead of going to a bar and finding that it's lame, you could actually talk to somebody that's at that bar and ask them if it's lame or not, and not avoid going. And it was sitting on top of Foursquare, so every time you check in, you're automatically a part of the experience.
2: I was certainly a user. We, we did something very similar with Thitto. We We allowed you to check-in into the future. So you can tell your friends ahead of time where you wanted to go, so that you actually gave your friends a chance to get there together with you. Um, But the same thing, you you had a lovely landing at Airbnb. We ended up selling our business to Groupon. And uh, we started out with a handful of other companies that Groupon acquired a new office in San Francisco, um, working on a iPad-based point of sale system. And that was super, super exciting to to work at Groupon during that time, really figuring out how to connect the vast amount of consumers that the Groupon app had during that time and the vast amount of merchants that Groupon app had. So we were trying to find new experience, how to connect consumers with brick and mortar merchants even more. And that was our like team's purpose. And it was really exciting during that time. And fast forwarding through this, as as anyone who who has ever had an acquired startup knows, like eventually your honeymoon period is over and you feel you find yourself back as like the cog in the system, and uh, I felt like I wasn't ready yet for for doing that, so I ended up leaving Groupon and to figure out what I wanted to do next and. One day, I, I heard about this amazing new um, prototype that uh, that an old friend of ours, like did Andrew Mason, he did a, he did an app called Detour, that was uh, think of a, and it and it really affected you know what I was what I'm doing right now and like what what I was set to do in the future, what I will be set to do in the future. And Detour was a a mobile app that was a mobile walking tour app. So think of like an NPR style quality, high quality podcast that is location aware in your city. And it would tell you stories around your city that you would not otherwise know by like a normal tour guide. I think that one of the like magical experiences there were that, you know, Fisherman's Wharf in San Francisco, Lenny, right? It's like super, super, super busy. It's a tourist trap why would you ever want to go there as a local, frankly, why do you even want to go there as a tourist just to take that Mm -hmm. one picture at like the picture spot and like see the sea lions and and that's about it. Like maybe eat some mediocre chowder, right? But there was a detour that was called the Fisherman's Fisherman's Wharf. And you would put your headphones in, like I have them in right now, and you were transformed into this completely different world. Out of a sudden, you don't hear the tourists around you anymore. You just hear the seagulls like, being loud. And and a voice, it was Jorge Just's voice, um, telling you, you see that door that says don't go through here, like do not enter? Go through that door and I'm going to show you the real fisherman's wharf. And the law abiding, rule following German had no problem out of a sudden breaking the rules and going through that door just because a recorded voice was telling me that it is okay to go through there. Super, super interesting fact. And the tour, frankly, you should you should all go through that door at Fisherman's Wharf because you'll see the real peers of the Fisherman's Wharf. You'll see the fishermen working there. There's a, a small like um, Catholic chapel where they only preach in Latin. Um, there there are a bunch of things that you would not expect from this super hustle and bustle of Fisherman's Wharf, and it's kind of quiet behind it. It's a it's a beautiful like area to explore if you ever feel you know you're ready to go back to. Fisherman's War. Fast forward, we, we ended up selling the assets of, um, of D2 to Bose and spun out a new company called Descript, um, which is still going really strong. And it, it is basically just in like a handful of sentences. It is a, um, a, an, a podcasting creation tool that, that really turns the way you edit audio uh, on its head. It is taking a conversation that was recorded and transcribing it word by word aligning every word to the waveform and what does it get you you can out of a sudden edit a whole audio document the same way you can edit a word document you can cut copy paste you can just control f and find all the ums and ahs in your in your recording and get rid of them super super fast editing flow really fun really fun company learned a lot from that company but eventually it was time for me to, to leave because I felt like I am finally ready. I had these great mentors along the way and I'm finally ready to do something on my own. And guess what? I was here for the first time. I had my green card. I can finally like, think about you know, what I wanted to do and crickets, nothing really no idea whatsoever what I wanted to do. I started writing down ideas. I'm just like, maybe I do A, maybe I do B, like how does a market look like? And you know, startups are emotional. are an emotional thing and they don't get started based on a spreadsheet that tells you what the best ideas that you're supposed to be doing, at least for me. At least for me, it was like, a, you can tell from me telling about it, I'm a very emotional person. So it needs to come out of like an emotion that like I have to wake up with and need to go to bed with. And I didn't have that. So I ended up not doing a startup and I joined Postmates and was in charge of the fleet team there. Super interesting experience. First time learning about really how larger teams work, how to manage people, how to onboard like new engineers. And it also opened my eyes to the status quo of where we're we're getting to the end of this, We're at, at the top of the story, like, Saw how inefficient knowledge workers are. You know, Lenny, you're a PM. Like, let me ask you, when did you actually write your PRDs?
1: My most productive day and happiest day was always Wednesdays because we had no meeting Wednesdays. And I could work from home often or just sit in, a, in some office and just knock out all my actual work. Very hard to have deep work and focus time.
2: So, And that is the key. And that is not just for a PM. That is the same for an engineer. That's the same for a designer. There's always constant interruptions being them digitally uh, digitally on your computer or in person in an open office environment where you feel like you want to collaborate and collaboration is so important to come up with new big ideas, but then you really have to carve out your time to actually get you already mentioned that deep work done, we call it also getting into flow. And to get into this state of flow, this moment where everything else fades away and you're just super sharp concentrated on that one task at hand, it's really, really hard. And to stay in it, it's also really, really hard because every interruption pulls you out of it. And you have like this this graph that goes back up to it that is actually time-based like how long it takes you to get back into flow. So every interruption is expensive. Monotasking is a thing, yet none of us does it really. There, We had some amazing engineers at, at Postmates that were following the Pomodoro method of basically saying, okay, I've put a time on, I do 25 minutes of focused work, so I get five minutes of any interruptions I want and I continue to do 25 minutes of work. And I thought that was already really, really smart. So. I thought it would be interesting to come up with an application that really sits on top of your devices. And that is, that is, you think of centered maybe when you go to our website as a to-do list app, but what it really like tries to be is an operating system for productivity. We're trying to help you to get into flow quicker, stay there longer. So let me tell you a little bit like how, how we're doing this. Centered looks like a to-do list. Does the world need another to-do list app? Yes. <laughs> no, it doesn't. I don't when that think works.
1: So. When that works.
2: There you go. So what does it actually mean, um, Does like a to-do list app that works? It means a to-do list app that helps you to actually get your work done and not to just plan it. The way I think about productivity is in The past, the present and the future. So think of the future in a way that where most of the to Asanas, they're all great for that, like live. They help you and your team to manage and like highlight what needs to be done, who needs to do what, when, does, when do your tasks actually need to be done? And they help you to do a lot of planning. Goes a little bit with the you know TDD concept of like really writing down the things that you want to do so that they're not in your head. Great. Step one complete. You plant. and that's what those tools are great for. But there's not a lot that then handhold you through and actually getting these tasks done. And that's where Centered comes in. Centered is in its simple form a single item like single line to do list app. We made two big changes of that app. The first change is we ask you to think about how much time you want to spend on this task or how much this task actually will take. So you time box every task. Second is we got rid of the checkmark button in a to-do list app. You think, what the heck, that is like my one dopamine hit that I can get crossing things out. That makes me feel good. I'm done with it. But We're actually trying, and maybe Lenny, you feel like that too. We're trying to give you a much stronger dopamine hit by actually helping you first working on the task and then rewarding you for it. So we got rid of the check mark and replaced it with a play button. So you want to start work on a task? We'll help you get that task done. You hit play. And the first thing that will happen is you'll see a little mini player that just shows you the task at hand that you're supposed to be doing you'll be greeted by Noah our productivity guide think of it noah as like a Siri for productivity just a little helper assistant that helps you get your work done faster and like looks over your shoulder so noah does a bunch of things noah plays flow music that is by us designed music a certain beat pattern music that is not too exciting and not too boring just the kind of the music that helps you get quicker and quicker into flow the more you listen to it and uh, I remember we had a bug one day um, where we didn't, where we couldn't serve our music anymore and Lenny was actually pretty loud about like he could not work anymore because we would not serve him music anymore. Yeah, remember that I, time, Yuri? Uh, Yuri, Lenny. Yeah, <laughs> going I find anyway. that out of,
1: yeah, I, I, I don't know, uh, Centered I think has contributed to this, but I think just in general I find I become much more productive with music and that's probably why I like this app, but also just other apps that have music, and I find that I can't even work productively without music anymore, which is kind of kind of crazy. But but uh, but yeah. Well, that's... it's
2: actually science backed. It's like your Pavlovian effect of saying, "Okay, I I now connect this type of music with actually flow," and that's why when you don't have it, it's even harder to get into it. But Can by you... having it, it actually oh, helps you get faster into it. Can you talk
1: a bit of? about what it is that we need as humans to to get into flow and be productive
2: yeah so it, it's quite interesting and it, obviously it's not the same for every single person the way that gets most people into flow is really an intention of what they want to do then a support method of like making sure you don't get disrupted the way center does that is it like Noah turns off all your notifications on your device on your devices while you work Noah connects to your Slack and tells your your buddies on Slack that you're in do not disturb mode and that you're in a focus center session so that they won't bug you during that time again like you should do anything to get into flow what that helps you to eliminate Distractions. Sit in a comfortable spot, sit in like a quiet spot. You said you like you would hide out in a meeting room.
1: One thing I've started doing is even on my phone, go to do not disturb mode all day because I find that once you get one push or one interruption, you're I just like want to check it. Even if I know I shouldn't, I'm just like, eh, I'm just going to go check it. So I, I find that exactly what you're saying, the more I don't even know that there's anything going on, the more productive I end up being.
2: There was the other day I like just heard that from from a friend there, there was the other day uh, a study that came by that said just knowing the presence of your phone around you will make you about twenty percent less productive which mm. is which is just so interesting to see how we've been and it goes I guess a little bit into our like social dilemma problem how we've been trained to be affected by our devices and how we've been trained by any notification that gets us quicker into the into the oh maybe i'll do check twitter for just five minutes and half an hour later i'm still dming with somebody uh and uh is this really like how we as humans should be living our lives as a slave to our devices or should we should we start to fight back and say like i need a i need like a firewall for my brain and help me actually do some meaningful work do the work of our lifetime like with our head our best like computation device in history rather than giving into the facebook's and twitter's and just the netflix and just binge watching mindlessly through because we are so burned out with the rest of our day right
1: so we talked a bit about what the science of just like how we can be productive and you talked a bit about there's notifications and avoiding those and then getting into Is there anything else there? Because I bet a lot of people are just trying to figure out how do I become more productive in my day. Yeah.
2: So the the last piece is like build a build a reward system for yourself. Anything you can, like for like I want to get this task done. I want to get some reward for that. Being it just allowing yourself to like stare into the distance away from your screen or getting up once or like running once around the block. What, whatever you feel like doing to just like free up your mind again for just a second, doesn't just help you with feeling more physical and feeling like happier helps you actually remembering just after a flow session, what you achieved by the end of the day. So if you're standing, if you're doing a stand-up the next morning, you'll actually remember, Oh, these were like the, the four like items I worked on.
1: Okay. So she's pivoting a little bit. So you designed this product centered, can you talk a bit about maybe not only around centered, but just in general, what kind of products are most inspiring to you that have kind of led you to in the direction that you're going? With yeah, as I
2: it's it's said a little bit earlier, I think the like two products that I th- were to this day very, very inspiring to me were like Detour and Siri that I, the two products I actually worked on. I tend to like get really deep into a product when i work on it that's why that's why they come up to like mine like the easiest and the two the two similar pieces here from detour and siri that that i felt like we brought back to centered is this in my mind not a lot of people are talking about this yet and i want to hope i can help bring this more to the masses and and i call this emotional software Soft and it, just because it's like a detour, which is, as I said, like a walking to an app, an app that's like entertainment. Entertainment always was emotional, right? You watch your show because you feel like the emotions you're like, am with your actor and you like, like it, or you're sad, you're happy, you're scared, like totally normal for something in entertainment. Siri has a different type of emotion to it, right? You're like feeling like somehow it's your partner. Sometimes it's like this this annoying piece that not fully understand what you actually want and doesn't get a full context and, you know, it gets better over time and so on and so forth, but you still have this association with like a digital assistant. And why don't we have more emotional software in this world? Like why does product, why does to do, why does a to-do list app needs to feel cold? Why is like the rescue times in the world, like, medicinal and just like purely analytic? Why don't we build more software that helps you feel something? And I think that's like what we're trying to do here at Centered and hopefully like paving the way to more interesting productivity software, banking software, anything that should actually make you feel something so that you're actually really enjoying to be in that that application. Are you building a bond with it?
1: Yeah. So thinking about just kind of thinking of uh, productivity software in general, yeah. Most most people try using something; they know that they need something better, and then they almost always abandon it because it's just like hard, and they 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 people don't like hard stuff. Uh, is there things that you've tried to do in Centered or in other products of just getting people to stick with things that are hard, especially around productivity?
2: I think again that, to piggyback on that emotional like piece like the, the the interesting thing with center is for instance what we did is we we serve you a very short video like a minute minute and a half video every day you use centered that like goes and talks it's noah again and like talks our guide that talks a little bit about um, flow about productive people gives you tips and tricks on like how to set up your workspace just anything that like gets you motivated, right? The most important piece is like motivation, especially when when there's a task that you might not really want to do. The best way to build stickiness to your product is to help you get the work you might not want to get done, done quicker. Because you're like, holy moly, I just got this work done in like 10 minutes and I thought it would take me like three hours but turns out if I just blast through these like bill pay application, like bill pays, or like nasty emails that I had to like respond to that I didn't really want to write, if I do them, one at a time very quickly, and then I reward myself by getting up or, you know, just like staying away from my computer for just a second, look at like a beautiful image or whatever like what whatever like floats your boat, you feel actually less the next time around of like, oh, gosh, I have to do this task. And I don't really want to, because you're like, oh, it's going to be quick, nor it's going to be there. You know, we'll, we'll get it done together.
1: <laughs> I love that. So we're actually getting some questions from the audience. Uh, OK, so the first question is, have you seen a boost in productivity software usage during COVID? And are there any trends that you've noticed?
2: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I. We are we are in we're a nine month old company, so we got we got founded in January just before COVID really hit. We launched really like a small alpha in in March. So I can't say that I can see I have data pre and post COVID in our case. What is very interesting to see on our data is what we all thought if you look at days worked and when people do the most productive time, it's a linear graph down from Mondays to Fridays. Mm. And then so Friday, least productive day for all centered users, Monday, most productive day for all centered users, wow. um, so by, by so a large factor. And you can tell Saturdays, nobody really wants to do focused work, you see Sundays already picking up again, because people prepare for the week.
1: So wait, so everyone starts being most productive at the beginning of the week and just gets worse through the rest of the week? Correct. Wow, is there like a bump on Wednesdays? I guess not anymore because everyone's at home now.
2: That's the thing, I think, so if we want to piggyback on this question, we could, we could talk about how do you burn out during COVID, right? And I think that is what, what a lot of like knowledge workers are experiencing. There's no more this like rest time. As much as we all hated our commutes, but there's no like the time for rest anymore to, to like go and say, ah, oh, I can just sit in my train for like the next half an hour and read a book or like just chill and relax. It's just, you get up, you get shower. If you're lucky, you get to shower, you like make your make your breakfast and you're at work. And, and I think the other piece to this is we're really living in a, especially here in the US, like coming, not from here, like living here for a long, long time, but seeing specifically in the US that we're in this culture where we want to brag how many hours we work, where we're building offices to keep the knowledge workers as long as as we can have, give them ping pong tables and whatsoever, instead of giving them devices to actually help them to be hyper productive in a shorter time and let them do other things like that they actually enjoy doing. It's still, I think a shift that we really need to need to get to and say, hey, we don't want, don't want just going to hang out here for 10 hours. We want to do four hours of deep work. We want to do two hours of collaboration because that is like what leads to deep work. And then let's go home and have fun with our families and our kids so that we can actually recharge and can think of like the next big ideas where this,
1: where
2: this is just being stressed out all the time.
1: That actually, uh, Piki, piggy- there's a question somebody asked that's similar that maybe you just answered, but if you want to add anything more to it, and the yeah. question was, uh, do you have any tips for being productive while working from home during COVID?
2: Again, it, like goes goes back to what we kind of already talked about: keep keep your desk clean and whatnot. Build rituals. I think that is the important part. If you're not if you're not commuting anywhere anymore, like I, I the first, one of the like things that I've done is I, I got myself a rower. I always love to row and like in the gym. So now I just put that thing in the garage and 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 get my workout in in the morning, and actually that that really helps you with the rest of your day with your happiness, especially when you're like you know fundraising all these like crazy times where where your emotions go up and down all the time, it really helps you get grounded and then again like be like put times in when you want to say I'm done with centered specifically, we actually have this concept of work hours. So we don't even we connect to your calendar and like help you like look at your calendar and tell you what you can do in a certain day. And I have my work hours set to end at six o'clock. Obviously, we all sometimes can still do some email work and whatnot. But I know, you know, my wife is going to come home at six o'clock, we're going to go and like have, we're going to make dinner and then we go on a walk. And it's just so important to to bring back some of this like normal piece to like life that we used to have by just going to an office and leaving that office.
1: Okay, I'm gonna ask you a hard hitting question, just spice things up. Somebody asked you uh, that you claim that people work 20% faster with Centric. How do you measure that number?
2: Uh, And that's a amazing, amazing task because I think a lot of companies make claims um, of uh, how, effective they are to their customers uh, and they're not all of these claims are actually founded in some analytics. We looked at all the tasks in our system, how much people said they wanted to work on them and then compared it to the time in average that it actually took our, our customers to get those tasks done. And we learned that our customers with our process, it's really like a very prescriptive process, right? You work on only one thing, we penalize you for multitasking and all these things. But if you do it in average, you will spend 20% less than you think it will take you on it. And actually mm. that number was like from, from around like June. I just pulled that number again and we're up to 38%. Oh, so shit. Which is crazy. Um, what a there's Is that- a lot of arguing yeah. and, you know, there's some smart people like Lenny that will hopefully help us to, to get a little bit deeper into making this number a little bit more robust than just looking at the overall number of tasks and dividing it by, you know, the time worked. Um, but uh, but it's, it's quite interesting to see over 80% of all the tasks in our system, 83% of all the tasks in, in our system right now are finished before the estimated time.
1: Okay, there's like a very uh, deep and interesting question somebody just sent. Can you see the questions, by the way?
2: I have them open here too, but I'm not sure which ones you're picking. So The
1: the last one that's long and and super interesting. Uh, Let me just read it for everybody while you're reading it uh, because I think it's a really interesting discussion and I know you wanted to touch on this. So the question is, uh, I love what you're saying around Silicon Valley, work culture for time offices were designed to keep people in offices as long as possible but not necessarily to be productive. Do you have any ideas on how to start transforming Silicon Valley work-life balance? Do you think it's starting to lean that way due to COVID?
2: I do think it's starting to lean that way during COVID. And I think we will, I hope, my, my hope is that we'll never fully go back to the big open offices and with the like, uh, with, the, with the slide into a ballpen kind of entryway why would we like we learned now that we can actually build companies with a lot less burn because of this, Uh, we don't have to spend like hundreds of 1000s of dollars in in big offices for our for our teams, just to know that they are not actually productive. So I personally really loved what one piece at Apple where where Apple for a long time, at least in our group had offices with doors to close and some Mm -hmm. funding that actually helped you to make your office feel like a living room, kind of like the work from home, but away. Two engineers in it or two people in it. And they're usually huddling around this like central area where people can convene and get together and like have some Legos there whatsoever, like whatever helps you to be creative so that you have like these creative collaboration times at the moment, again, like after you're two hours up and you actually need to be productive and like process what you learned, you can go and close your door. You have like one buddy there that's already could be arguably, you know, too much or not too much, depending on your personality. I'm not sure you want me to be around because I will like ask you all the time questions and I, <laughs> I know that I shouldn't. Do um, you understand? Exactly. You need like that mute button for me. And, uh, but overall, I think, you know, we will have a lot more people work from home more often. The way it happens, we had a we have an office at Check 15. It, it's a lovely office. The way I used it before COVID is I used it for two days a week so that I have three days of deep focused time and two days of collaboration with clients and with like um, potential candidates, with like investors and so on and so forth. And that's how I would spend my time there.
1: We're getting so many good questions. Thank you all for sending these amazing yeah, questions. Yeah, this is great. Uh, So there's one that has been sitting around for a while that I'm also curious about. Do you have any advice for how to control notifications across all devices so that you could just do not disturb everywhere?
2: You have to wait a little bit until we we ship our mobile applications and we have a solution for that. Um, And in short, like what I can tell you about hacks, what you can do right now, which is kind of cool. So if you want on your iPhone, and that's not across of all your devices, but for instance on your iPhone, if you actually want the like, hey, I'm working right now, don't even let phone calls through or anything, you can use your driving mode and turn your driving mode on and change the messaging on your driving mode to not I'm driving, say I'm focused. And the long you have as long as you have your driving mode on there, no notifications. If important people are trying to reach you, you know that logic will still kick through. Like you know, your wife wants to call you for an emergency, and she's in like your preferred context, Like your phone will ring. Everything else, everybody else, will get a notification if they send you a message saying, "Hey, I'm working right now. Can I get back to you later?" Super, super helpful trick. The way because we cannot actually programmatically turn off your notifications on your iPhone. The way we'll get around it is install a VPN that will actually just block the notification server what during that time.
1: Clever German engineering.
2: You know, this has all been done by other people before. We're just packaging it up nicely.
1: That's awesome. I'm excited for that. Okay, so somebody asked, would you ever prescribe digital detox as a shorter long-term solution to burnout?
2: I think if you get to burnout already, you've done something wrong where you need to go and like do once a year your digital detox version. I personally went last year on a... And I I think you Lenny do the same thing. I think you go to Spur Rock for like a meditation retreat. That's correct. And uh I, I did something similar. Like I, I try to do it once a year where I'm just like gonna go. I go I go completely somewhere else. I go in, in, in like in middle the middle of nowhere in Nevada City that is like closer to uh closer to like on the way to Lake Tahoe basically. Into like another retreat there that has barely any electricity and gas lights, like completely no reception of anything and I'll just spend there a little bit of time it is like really really helpful for me just even if it's just a weekend to completely get away from everything I'm not a I'm actually not that much of a spiritual person um, a religious person I think there's a little bit of spirituality that comes through with that but it, but it really helps me to just ground again like the other piece for like the burnout when I ever feel like I really need to get away from all of it i'll go either for like a long long bike ride i live up in like northern marin um or i go for a long walk you know if the sky is not red like it is today
1: okay so somebody had a really interesting question around how long do you think people should spend on a task um they mentioned that kind of there's advice for like working out you don't want to do more than 45 minutes a day um and that our brains can't focus and And then there's like a question around maybe taking a siesta (laughs) through the day. Do you have any thoughts on that?
2: I am a full proponent of trying to do short naps that don't get you into REM. I, for the love of God, cannot. Uh, It takes me forever to fall asleep and I just cannot. But I, I admire everybody who can. I have one of my best friends can do it like this and, uh, can can basically sleep standing whenever whenever that person just needs to take a little bit of a rest or is bored can just sleep for 15 minutes and, and be recharged. I think it's an amazing skill to learn. It's definitely on my bucket list of things that I would love to get to. Um, so we were so that that is, I think, something good. I think the default we were talking about, uh, like, what is like a good amount of like for a deep focused work session my real response to that is like Pomodoro is at 25 minutes. We default to 25 minutes as well in our app, but every person is different. Mm. I have days where when I get into coding and I get really, really deep into flow where I, I can sit here and code for hours and don't get up, don't you know, get water, go to the bathroom, don't do anything. And out of his own, my wife is home. And is like, are you still sitting here? And so it, that can happen. I think, I think most research says like do it. Split your work up into twenty five minutes. Do a, do a quick break, and do twenty five minutes more. Lenny, what are you doing?
1: I usually do as long as possible. Like I change the default uh, centered time to like two hours, because I just want to keep working, and I find that it kind of just stops me a little early. So I like, I like going as long as I can until my brain is just like, I need to take a break. Yeah, but I don't know. If that's I, as right I said, way. like
2: everybody is slightly different and we made it pretty simple and centered to like adopt, adopt to whatever works for you the best, but you have to experiment. Listen to our videos. Basically, we have a lot of these videos that like help you experiment with these type of things and find your own.
1: Somebody just asked if I am an active user of centered myself and I am. I mentioned, I think at the beginning that it's the most used app on my entire phone and computer just because it's my to-do app. And so it's always running and I'm using it to work. So I'm a huge, huge fan. What
2: do you, what do, you do mostly in Centered? What is like your knowledge work that you do with it, you work? The
1: newsletter, writing. I, I have a system now where I don't book any meetings until 3 p.m. because I have, I'm living this like newsletter life now to see how long that can, that can go. And, and a lot of it is writing. And so I try to not have anything booked until 3 p.m. and then I just have a bunch of meetings after that. And so centered is, I basically put all my to do's like work on this post, work on that post, check with this person, finish this thing, send that thing uh, as to do's in there and then work through them. Uh, Okay, somebody asked you, how have you been navigating your growth through COVID as a startup founder?
2: As a startup founder or us as a startup?
1: I think the question is as a startup.
2: So, yeah. Feel free to so way. As, a, as a startup, um, I think the one interesting piece that I did not expect when we started this company was the, the pool of candidates that we can hire out of a sudden increased dramatically, right? Like out of a sudden it's not, we're not just for instance for engineering hires, we're not just hiring in san francisco you can as long as you're within three like hours away in terms of in terms of time difference we're looking at every resume and our team is very it's very diverse in terms of where we are located we have some people in l.a we have some people in phoenix we had some people in atlanta and and people also just move around which is like the lovely piece that we could never really do you could just not you know a lot of times we people would be in San Francisco not necessarily because they love California and they love to be in San Francisco even though they tell you that all the time but they they they're here because they want to work for Google they want to work for their startup and and that is why why people really here now we can i think shift this a lot more and people can move to the places where they actually want to live and still work in the same environment and i think we're learning and like, now more and more how how this new culture is like put together and that is like our biggest learning for for ourselves like how do we do our stand-up meetings how do we make sure to like feel like we're building a company culture that is like fully remote right now do we want to go back to a less remote piece after COVID? who knows We're we're just going with the flow right now so to speak
1: very on brand yep Maybe a, a final question: What what's been the most fun thing in, on this journey, of building a company I in this case?
2: The the most fun thing in the journey is to listen to our early users, to like the loud users that are. That are either having ADHD and finally found a way to get concentrated. They don't have to take, you know, their Ritalin to to like be concentrated. They just turn centered on, and out of a sudden, they get actually their work done without seeing flashy things happen all the time. We we just had the other day a user that said. I got more done in the last three hours than in the entire day yesterday, like thanks to our application. And that just, you know, it's like an early validation for an early startup for hours. It did like, you know, it tells the team and myself that what we are building actually really matters. And it kind of paves the way to like, wow, there's there's so much more we can help with. And, and the expectation is again what what if we would get one focused hour of deep work a day out of every knowledge worker in this world we would build amazing new companies we would paint beautiful pictures we would design beautiful systems and we would probably get a lot faster where we need to go as a society than where we are right now because of A handful of big companies trying to steer us away from that right
1: is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up
2: i think we i think we said it all
1: amazing okay well thank you uh for doing this and uh everybody for joining us
0: thanks for listening stay tuned for our next conversations podcast coming soon if you have a story that needs to be shared, we'd love to hear from you. For more information on Shack15 and our community, you can email info at 15com connect with us on Instagram, or visit our website at shack15.com.